This is the Core Life Training Podcast with Jeff Olsen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out the Core Life Training Podcast. This is the preseason episode number five. So in this episode, I'm going to give you session one of the Core Life Training class, The Story of the Old Testament. Now, for a lot of people, the Old Testament feels pretty outdated when they're reading it. It feels a lot like this random collection of stories and laws and poems and prophecies about like ancient people that really have like nothing at all to do with our life. Um, maybe you've even like been in a Bible read through and you start out in Genesis and it's going real good. And there's some exciting stuff in Exodus. But man, by the time you hit uh, midway through the book of Exodus, and then you're like into Leviticus and you're heart partway through numbers, you just quit because like all this stuff just seems to have nothing to do with you. Uh, a lot of people believe the Old Testament is God's word, but really struggle to understand it. And if that's you, you don't have to worry. Uh, you're, you're definitely not alone. So understanding the Old Testament isn't always easy. And we get that. And what we want to do in this core life class is help you with a few things. So first, I want to help you connect uh, like the disconnected stories or the stories that feel disconnected in the Old Testament into like one unified story. I want to help you understand then what the overall message of the story of the Old Testament is. And I want to help you see the picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, the way that he and the New Testament writers saw it. And we want to help you feel like how crucial the Old Testament is for faith and life today. I know it doesn't always seem that way. But it really is. It was for Jesus. It was for the apostles. And it is for us. And I want, I want to help you feel that. And ultimately, we just want to help you love Jesus more through the story of the Old Testament. All right. Now would be a great time to grab a Bible and a notebook and your drink of choice. And let's get down to business. Okay. So when you think about the Old Testament, even if you never really went to church, uh, most people have some immediate thoughts about the Old Testament. And typically... Uh, the first things that come to our mind related to the Old Testament are like the stories of the Old Testament, right? Like that's the first thing we learn as kids. If you've ever been to Sunday school, we learn stories. Um, I, did, uh, I did a survey one time, and I just asked people to just jot down the first three Bible stories that come to their mind, right? And I just tabulated it all up, made a big list, and here are the most popular ones, right? So the top three are, who's this? Adam and Eve, very good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> David and Goliath, right? You can tell by the slingshot, right? Yeah. Uh, so my, my artwork may not be artistic, but at least it's effective. Like you're at least getting the point, right? All right. And yeah, nobody said Jonah and the big fish, right? So, this, so these are the top three. These are the kind of the most common ones that come to mind. Um, you know, obviously the Old Testament's full of stories, and then it's full of, like, lots of laws, and then it's full of poems, and then it's full of, like, prophecies and, like, weird stuff like that. Um, but when you think about the stories of the Old Testament, one thing that nobody ever really explained to me was how any of these stories actually fit together, right? So um, what in the world does Adam and Eve have to do with David and Goliath? And what does David and Goliath have to do with Jonah and the big fish? Uh, I, I kind of, I, when I went to church as a kid, I didn't go really very much until I was about 16. But when I did go, these stories were all given to me as sort of moral tales, right? Like you, you never connected them together. You just read them and then learned a moral of a story. So uh, be courageous like David. 
right? Be very courageous. He's facing a giant. You should be courageous like him. Um, don't go into the ocean because you might get eaten by a giant fish. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, don't, don't be mean to your brother like Cain was mean to his brother and killed him. Um, these, these are all just like how to be a good boy or how to be a good girl kind of stories. And nobody ever like related them together. Uh, is it possible that an author uh, has arranged these books or arranged these stories in an order to tell a whole story? Now, obviously it is possible. Otherwise, we would just close in prayer right now and go home. And <laughs> this would be a really short class. Uh, I, want, I want to show you, I want to argue and, and show you from Scripture um, that these stories actually do fit together, right? Like the authors put them together on purpose to tell a story, right? To tell st a story to uh, readers like to readers like you and me, right? He's put all these stories in a, in a book, and those guys over on the right, the guys and gal over on the that's readers like you and me. That's who the books to. And he's trying to tell us something by arranging all these, all these stories together. So that ultimately, that's what this class is about. We're going to look at the whole Old Testament over the next four weeks, minus next week, because there's something relatively important going on next Sunday night. Uh, my team is in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Green Bay fans. I know. Sorry, Green Bay fans. So we'll take you know those four weeks just to look at the whole Old Testament, the story of the whole Old Testament, how it all fits together, sort of section by section by section, and see what this author is trying to tell readers like like you and me. Uh, so the first thing I want to do, well, first thing I want to do is look at what, what Jesus said about the story. Right? Jesus said there, was an actual, uh, there is actually a story. Uh, look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 24. And this is at the very end of the story. This is verse 44. He appeared to the disciples, and they were kind of having a hard time figuring out if that was him or not. Uh, in Luke 24, 44, Jesus said, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which were written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus looks at what we would call the Old Testament and says that whole story is actually about me. Right? Um, if you've read the New Testament at all, obviously New Testament authors are looking back at the Old Testament. And they're quoting the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus quoted the Old Testament all the time. Uh, and one of the important things to think about is how did they do that? How, how did they look at that story and say, yeah, it's about Jesus? Um, some people argue that they basically took their hopes and dreams about Jesus and then went and found passages. Like they had some commitments about who Jesus was. And then they went and found passages in the Old Testament that seemed to support their pre-commitments about him, right? I believe Jesus is God. I'm going to go find some passages that maybe help me believe that. Or I believe Jesus is the king. I'm going to go find some passages that maybe help me believe that. Um, some people argue, some scholars argue that uh, Jesus and the New Testament authors kind of had a tricky way of interpreting the Old Testament, um, kind of an inspired sort of Holy Spirit way of interpreting that you and I, you and I can't do it. So when we read the Old Testament, we don't see what they see, but they kind of saw Jesus in there in ways that we can't. Thankfully, they saw it and wrote it down for us. Uh, and I want to argue, I want to argue and show that actually Jesus and the disciples and the authors of the New Testament, they just read their Bible well, right? They just read it well, understood it the way uh, they understood it the way this particular author meant them to understand it, right? 
So in other words, he's telling the story of Jesus on purpose, and they just read it well and understand it the right way. So what we're going to do as we look at the Old Testament is we are going to look at uh, a different version of the Old Testament than what we have in our English Bibles. Okay, So we're going to look at the order of the Old Testament, um, the way it comes to us in the Hebrew Bible. So I have a Hebrew Bible. I took Greek and Hebrew in Bible College and Seminary. And the order of books in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament is a little bit different than our English Bibles. Um, first, it's structured kind of differently than we think of. Okay, uh, Structured in three big sections, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. Um, sometimes this is also called the Tanakh, uh, and it comes from the three letters T, N, and K. And the Law, the section Law, is called the Torah in Hebrew, so there's a T. Uh, the Prophets is called the Nevi'im, and the Writings are called the Ketuvim, so T, N, K, Tanakh. Uh, so you see in the section of the Law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the way it is in our English Bible, right? So that's just totally standard. Um, in the prophet section, you have Joshua, Judges, Samuel. First and Second Samuel go together as one book, and First and Second Kings go together as one book. What's missing from there? Yeah, Ruth is missing. Right? It goes in our Bibles. It goes Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Uh, you can see over here in the writings, Ruth is way over in this other section. We'll talk about why here in just a minute. So Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, that's called the former prophets. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12, uh, the, the 12, we would call them the minor prophets, right? And uh, those are written on one scroll. They're, they're meant to be read together kind of as one whole story. Uh, so we kind of skip around in them once in a while or whatever if we ever come to them. Uh, but they really are meant to be read in an order. You, you may wonder, what in the world, what do we call Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings? What kind of, what kind of writing do we call that? So it's, it's in the prophet section. We wouldn't put it in the prophet section, would we? What section, if it was our library, what would we put it in? Narrative, yeah. We, we'd probably put it in the history section, right? Those are historical books. Uh, but in the Hebrew Bible, they're in the prophetic books, and I'll talk about why in, in just a bit. And then you can see the writings start with the Psalms, and if you look at the bottom, it's First and Second Chronicles that are the very last book of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible. So... When we, when we end this class, we'll end, we'll end down there in 2 Chronicles. Uh, 2 Chronicles, where does that go in our Bible? That goes over by kings, right? So what you can see, I, I think what you can see, is our, our English Bibles are really concerned with a couple things in terms of the order. They're concerned with chronology. So all the books of the same time period kind of go together. And they're concerned with literary genre. So in our Bibles, we have all the law books together, right, at the beginning. And then we have all the history books go together. And then we have all the wisdom books together and the poetry books. They all go, and then all the prophet books go together. So that's, that's how we do it, or our English Bibles do it. They're kind of in a chronological order. You can see that the Hebrew Bible's not at all interested, didn't, couldn't care less necessarily about chronology uh, and literary genre. Uh, what I'll try to show you is that the Hebrew Bible the order or arrangement of the Hebrew Bible is really more concerned with theology and themes. Right? We're looking for themes and theology rather than chronology and we've got to put all the same kinds of books uh, together. How so, come it doesn't Yeah, okay, so how did, we, how did we get our English Bible order compared to this? It's a great question. Um, so in about 250... Great question, Deb. Way to be. In about 250 B.C., uh, there were Jews living in Alexandria, Egypt, 
and uh, Greek was the language of their culture. Uh, so the scribes and the religious leaders in Alexandria thought nobody speaks Hebrew anymore. Nobody reads Hebrew anymore. We need a Bible that goes in the language that people can read. So they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek. And that translation is called the Septuagint. Uh, oftentimes it's uh, shorthand LXX for 70. Um, the legend is that 70 scholars went into 70 rooms and all came out with exactly the same translation. That's, that's a legend, all right. Uh, but it's called the Septuagint. So about 200 BC-ish is when that was translated. And the order of the Septuagint is like our English Bibles. So our, our English Bible, Old Testament, follows the Septuagint order, right? And somebody, you know, somebody in Alexandria, Egypt, when they translated that, thought, let's, re, you know, let's arrange these books differently. In it, and it makes some sense that way, right? Let's, we, let's make it chron chronological, and let's put all the literary types together. I mean, if you were doing a library, that's kind of how you'd do it. Um, so that's what they did. So that's where our English order comes from, is the Septuagint. Uh, I'm not really sure why our English Bibles don't follow the Hebrew text. They just don't. And that's a choice English Bible editors have made for centuries, really. So let me show you an example of themes in theology instead of chronology. Right? Uh, look in uh, Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31.10. So this is the poem about the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Don't you hate her? Don't you just hate her guts? If there was a Proverbs 31 man, I would hate him. Because I just would never be able to kind of keep up to keep up to speed with that dude. I'd hate him. Right? So the Proverbs 31 woman, what is she like? She's awesome, isn't she? Right? I mean, like, she's buff and fit. She does CrossFit and yoga. She is a real estate agent. She buys and sells houses and property. She, she's a farmer. You know, she raises carrots and potatoes out in the back and makes sure that she, uh, she uh, sews all her kids' own clothes. I mean, she's just unreal, right? She's amazing. There's a, a couple of things about her. Uh, if you look down into verse 23 of Proverbs 31, her husband is known in the gates uh, when, when he sits among the elders of the land. So her husband's an important guy, right? Like he's one of the elders of the, of the city. Uh, so she's awesome. Her husband's awesome. Let's see. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Look down to verse 29. 28. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also blesses her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. So this guy says, you're the best woman in the world. Right? He blesses her and says, you are the best woman in the world. Now, if you look at the very beginning of this poem, uh, Proverbs 31, verse 10. My, my Bible, my English Bible, and I use the New American Standard Bible when I'm using an English Bible. Uh, mine starts out saying, an excellent wife who can find. Okay, that's how they translate that phrase. Uh, does somebody have somebody, something other than the New American Standard text? A woman of excellence. Okay, so there's another translation. Anybody have something else? What verse is it? 3110. What version are you reading? Uh, NIV. Okay, yeah, what's the NIV say? Uh, it says, a wife of noble character who can find. A wife of noble character, right? Okay, all kinds of different translations for this phrase about this woman. Uh, the Hebrew text literally says, a woman of strength who can find. And then what you have in Proverbs 31 is this poem about how awesome this woman of strength is. Okay? Now, if you're reading 
an English Bible, you go from a poem about a woman of strength to Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes going, man, life is vain. It's stupid. You can have all the money in the world, but it's still lame. Right? So that's what comes next in the English Bible. But in the Hebrew Bible, you can see that Ruth comes right after Proverbs. Okay? Now why? Ruth goes way back with Judges in our Bible because the book of Ruth starts with the phrase, in the, judge, in the days of the judging of the judges. That's how Ruth starts. So of course, that should go back with the book of Judges, right? Well, whoever put the Hebrew Bible together in this order said, no, we, we don't want to put it over there chronologically. We want to put it next to Proverbs for thematic or theological reasons, right? So let's look at the book of Ruth. And in your English Bible, you have to turn way back, like way back to the left, to find Ruth. And if you look at Ruth chapter 3, So this is the book of Ruth, chapter 3. Uh, Ruth has come to Boaz. So here's Ruth. She's a, she's a Gentile woman, right? She's not part of Israel, but she's kind of the only one that actually believes in the Lord. Like all the Israelites are unfaithful to the Lord. And this woman uh, who's not an Israelite loves the Lord. So she finds this guy, Boaz, and he's a relative, and he is supposed to do his job as a relative to take care of her because her husband's died and all like that. And so she, through the, you know, the whole story of Ruth, she kind of gets to know this guy and ultimately comes to him and asks him to do his job as a relative to take care of her. And he's pumped about it. Like, he actually has fallen in love. So they're like distant relatives through marriage, and so it's not like weird. So they're related through marriage. And he's actually fallen in love with her, and he's glad to take care of her. And in Ruth chapter 3, verse 10, he says, uh, the text says, Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. Now think back to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 said, Her husband blesses her, right? Saying, You excel all women. Well, here in Ruth, here's Boaz, who's about to be her husband, blessing her. Right? So may you be blessed in the Lord, my daughter. You've shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether rich or poor. So Boaz is like quite a bit older than her, and she could have went after the young hot guys. And instead she finds the the right guy, the the one that she's supposed to find according to scripture, right, according to the Lord, and she goes and finds him. Now my my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, this is verse eleven. For all my people in this city know that you are a... Now, what does your text say? You're a what? A woman of excellence. Now, does anybody have anything different here? A worthy woman. Okay. This is the exact same phrase as... This is thir, uh, Proverbs 3.11. This is the exact same phrase from Proverbs 31.10. It's a woman of strength. Ishet Chayel. Ishet is a woman... Chayel is strength. And it only occurs twice in the whole Bible. And it's in Proverbs 31, a poem about a woman of strength. And now it's in Ruth 3.11, a story about a woman of strength. And here, 
this woman of strength in the story of Ruth, her husband blesses her. Uh, later in the story, her husband goes to the gates of the city because he's an elder in the city and all like that. And so you can see that the author of the Old Testament has put Proverbs and Ruth back to back to connect this poem about a woman of strength with a story about a woman of strength, right? So you've read the poem, and you think, man, she's awesome. I wonder what she's like. Great, you can read a story about her if you just turn the page. So you kind of get two different looks at the same kind of woman, right? So who's the Proverbs 31 woman? It's Ruth, and she is pretty awesome, right? She is pretty awesome. So you can see the difference between chronology and theology. This would be arranging books to make a, a thematic or a theological point rather than putting them just in chronological order. Now, if you, if you were reading your Bible in the English order and you're just doing your Bible read through, right, three chapters a day every day to get through in a year, you might not ever notice this because by the time you get to Proverbs, it's been months and months since you read Ruth. And you'll notice that in our English Bibles, that same phrase is sometimes translated differently, even in the same translation, right? Which is, I'm not really sure why they do that. Uh, it's, it's sad, because <laughs> it's not helpful, right? So one last question. Why in the world would we use the order of the Hebrew Bible instead of the English Bible? And the answer is super simple. It's just because Jesus did. When he taught the 12 disciples, he taught them in that order. He said in Luke 24, 44, all that is written about me in the law, the prophets, and the writings. So we want to use that same order so that we can see the same themes and theological connections that Jesus was seeing in that order. And that's the order of the story that Jesus says talks about him. All right, dig it. There is session one of the story of the Old Testament. This class has 15 sessions to it. And in the podcast, we're going to give you the first three sessions, and then we'll show you how you can connect with the rest of the class. At the end of it, you can get the videos that include all the pictures that we draw in the class audio. You can get an audio-only version of, of the class if you want it on the go, and you can also get the 65-page notes in PDF format. So hope you dig in the class. I hope it's helpful, and I hope you come back to check out more of it. I really want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Core Life Training Podcast and let you know of a few ways that you can connect with us and support what we're doing. First, if you haven't already, would you subscribe to the podcast? You can do that on iTunes or your favorite podcast service. And if you dig it, we would love it if you would just leave us a review and, and tell, tell us and, and tell the world why you like it. You can go to the website, corelifetraining.org, and you can join the email list, and there we'll keep you up to date on the podcast upcoming live events, and probably send you some bonus material every now and then as well. You can also hit the Core Life Training Facebook page and like that and keep up to speed on what we're doing there. And if you're into the podcast, uh, we would really appreciate it if you would help people know about what we're doing. Uh, if it's helping you know God and love God better and, and know scripture and love the Bible better, we would love it if you'd spread the word. We have zero advertising budget uh, this is entirely a word-of-mouth project, so we'd love it if you'd spread the word to people that you know. And also keep an eye out for upcoming Core Life Training classes in your area or available online. You can keep up to speed with all that on our website or Facebook as well. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jeff Olson, and I teach the Bible, and I will check you later. Bye.